Jason, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do now? Well, you know, in ancient Rome, you know, they killed themselves. They go home, they kill themselves, and they take care of take care of you. So I could take care of you. Yeah, sure, of course. I know all about ancient Rome, but I'm saying for me in my situation specifically, what am I going to do? Uh, well, back in ancient Rome, they they'd apologize. They kill themselves, and then their bosses would take right. care of their families. You don't really got a family, but I mean, sure. I won't do anything to your dad. Get it? Do you get it yet? Right, but okay. So ancient Rome, leaving that aside, they in would my go situation, back in ancient Rome and draw a nice warm right. bath and slit their wrists. Sure. Okay, got it. Okay, you understand me now. Oh God. <laughs> Please just here. I, Here's a packet what, of razor blades. I, there you go. Okay. And I'm gonna draw you a nice bath. How about that? And then I'm gonna take a bath, and then I'll get out, and we'll keep trying to figure out what I do next. I guess so. This is never gonna end. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is, some people feel, better than the first one. I personally feel it's great, but you can't have this one without the first one. Can you, Steve? <laughs> it is. I, yeah, as far as reputations, um, best sequel ever. Because <laughs> here's the thing. They talk about the Godfather so much in this movie and never show him that the only reason you can understand, oh, the Godfather is because you watched the first movie. So you get it, right? It Yeah, it is very closely connected. Mm -hmm. It's very closely connected to the first one. So the movie yeah. we're going to be reviewing this time around is The Godfather Part Due. I don't even know if that's two in, in Italian. I don't know. I mean neither. However, however, they say two in Italian. Part two, the uplifting <laughs> story it. of America's favorite Italian family. Ah, uh, yes, the Corleones. <laughs> hey, Steve. Yes, sir. Hey, Steve. Yeah. I think my power just went out. Just a second. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Do I sound the Do I sound the same? You sound the same to me. Well, Kevin, fuck it. Hey, Steve. <laughs> yes, my friend. How do you uh, do? You have any trivia for The Godfather Part Two? You know, funny you should ask. I do have some trivia for The Godfather. Is it funny part that two. I asked, motherfucker? Is it, it funny? It's not. Make it funny. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're riffing on a totally different mob movie. I know I am. <laughs> One I really, I really like. <laughs> I love that. Mm. Um, yes, I do have some trivia about Hooray. The Godfather Part Two. All right. Well, give it to Electric me. Boogaloo. All right. Well, just don't sit there. Um, Tell me. Tell me. Are you going to keep beating around the bush, Tom? <laughs> Tell me what. <laughs> was it a boy? Why can't I get a straight answer from no you? No one knows what it was. It had five eyeballs, Mike. It had five <laughs> eyeballs that looked weird. It was a blood clot, Mike. It jumped off the table and ran out. It was less <laughs> of an abortion and more of an escape. <laughs> we don't know where it is. It's killed three <sighs> people and it's up in the mountains. You want to get it? That was... That was the original script. No wonder Pacino demanded a rewrite. Not very many um, people know that Basket Case is actually an underground sequel of the Godfather films. <laughs> <sighs> okay, anyway. Okay, okay, yeah. So, um, <laughs> directing the original Godfather, 
was such an ordeal for Francis Ford Coppola that he tried to get out of directing the sequel. Why? Um, well, because he's there a were, dipshit. Uh, he, because he's a dipshit. Gee, no, I wonder, how did he wind up owing so many people so much money? I don't, I get don't it. know. Um, <laughs> he he had a lot of he had creative conflicts with the studio. Sure. Um, and specifically with Robert Evans, and uh, and you know the movie it. There, there was just a lot of conflict as far as like what should the movie be and whose vision for the movie should prevail. And um, Coppola said at first he he actually uh, he tried to get them to hire Scorsese to direct it. No, I don't. This uh, is that, really not but, a Scorsese film. No, it definitely is not. It definitely is not. Um, and Coppola agreed to come back and direct it, but he had a few conditions. Of course he did. Um, Why do we have to buy him now? Exactly. Yeah, that was yeah. The, the first movie it was like they bought him a was, car oh, if it turned a profit. Have, if it turned a profit, um, I get a I I get a car. Um, and this here are his here are his conditions that I was able to describe. I mean, there may have been more than this, but the major conditions for him coming back to direct Godfather Two were that he be given uh, more creative control because he mm -hmm. didn't want to have arguments with studio executives all the Ooh. time. Um, and he wanted to be able just just what we were talking about a, a minute ago, how closely related Sorry, the this light movie on me is was to a the little little hot. So I just oh, I got you. Sure, didn't mean to use any right. insider jargon. But... <laughs> okay, what was the second definition? Nonstop blowjobs. Okay, okay, what was it? Yeah, not nonstop <laughs> blowjobs. Um, no, he wanted to make he wanted to make the movie closely related to the first movie sure. because his his idea was eventually he wanted to be able to combine them into one thing, which which was eventually done. They did do a mini series in the seventies that they've that they've done more recent edits on in previous in, in subsequent years. Mm -hmm. uh, originally, it was called the Godfather Saga. There was a version of it that they did, I think, on HBO a few years ago called the Godfather, the complete novel or something. Um, uh, they did something awful. Yeah, they, they where they take part one and two and they kind of just present it as one long thing. Which is um, fine, but I mean, it's an awfully fucking long thing. Yeah, it's awfully long. But but that was part of that was one of his conditions. I want to be able to make the second movie in such a way that I could combine it with the first movie and to make it a single thing. You see this fucking um, dog? This fucking I see, dog will leave I me see. the fuck alone. Get out of here! I'm here. <laughs> You're godfathering on your dog. Just a second. Get out of here! Come here. There. She wants some of that electric blanket. That's she what that is. She wants something. I don't know what it is. She's going to jump down in like 10 minutes. It's too hot. Shut up, you fucking mutt. <laughs> you wanted this. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, he wanted he wanted Robert Evans to not be involved. Okay, whatever. Um, he wanted to let Robert, to Robert Evans go on and make Star Trek. And so he, he wanted he he wanted to uh to to be able to direct the conversation okay and he wanted to be hired to write the screenplay for the movie of the great gatsby that they were developing but that didn't um, fall through and that last one that that last one was purely a money thing yeah <laughs> he just he, he was like i need some money G give yeah, me the great gatsby I job i don't know what i'm doing yeah yeah <laughs> excuse um, me 
Money has been a thing with Coppola for a long time. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I, he got it was it was Apocalypse Now that got him super in debt, like for the oh, rest yeah, of his fucking dude. life. But it was a but it was a problem before that for sure. It was not just yeah. the money that got him in yeah. debt. It was the him being cuckoo that got him <laughs> got him in debt. <laughs> Coppola, I don't know how to tell you this, but Terry Gilliam has gotten in trouble for every single fucking movie he's ever made, and yet people still want to work with him. Yeah. And here's yeah. the deal, buddy. He literally made a movie that was so far in debt that they were thinking about sending people to just shut the studio down <laughs> rather than have him finish it. And you've been lucky. You went bananas in the in the Philippines filming Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Like you had people dying and cutting themselves and having mental breakdowns and having heart attacks and everything else. Every time we talked to you, you got crazier and crazier. And so, you know, grow grow up. You're making a movie. God damn it. Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, it's a movie. (laughs) You're just making a movie. And don't get me wrong. I think The Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather 2, and Apocalypse Now are his four movies that he did great on. Oh, fantastic. Fucking else. He, yeah, he he has had quite a dry spell ever since, what, 1979. I guess he made yeah. enough money to open his vineyard, and then that was it. He was fine. Yeah. So fuck it. Um. So and of course, Coppola not only directed Godfather Two, he also wrote or co-wrote the screenplay. Sure. And writing the screenplay for Godfather Two presented many challenges. Um. I alluded to it a few minutes ago. Uh, Al Pacino was very unhappy with an early draft of the script. He didn't want to uh, do it. He, he was so yeah. He threatened to quit the movie. Yeah. Unless Coppola rewrote it, and I mean, he threatened to quit a couple of times. Sure. Al Pacino was not, was not happy while he was making this movie. He was, no. um, he thought it, he thought it took too long. He thought Cop- he just he didn't like working with Coppola. Nope. They, for for as great as Pacino is in the movie, behind the scenes he was not happy making no. this movie at all. And he doesn't look happy um, on the screen either. Well, I, it's, well, I mean, Michael's not having a good time in the story either. So Michael's kinda never works, happy in this movie. Never. <laughs> That scene in the movie where Michael smiles. Yeah, it doesn't exist. When did that happen? Um, you tell yeah, me. You know, when never you think happy. of this movie and you think of his performance, you don't think of him smiling. No, he's not having a good time. Mm-hmm. He's not having a good time. Uh, the character of uh, Frank Pentangeli was originally supposed to be Clemenza from the first film. I know, film. but he died. But Well, no, actually, no, he didn't die. Um, he died, there, there Steve. Are, well, I mean, he died eventually, but he didn't die at this point. No, he um, died to there, me. <laughs> yeah, you're not in Godfather 2, then you're dead to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the character the character died. Yeah, the character of Clemenza died. Because um, yeah. what, what, there, there, are, there are conflicting stories about why that actor, Robert Castellano, didn't come back to play Clemenza. Because originally that was supposed to be Clemenza, not Pentangeli. Um, one story is that Castellano made a lot of demands to come back. And he wanted a big pay increase sure which is understandable because the first yeah. movie was a big hit like the first <clears> movie <throat> was a big hit and he was going to play a major supporting character That's so right. he wanted some more money yeah um but in addition to wanting more money he also wanted to be able to write all of his own dialogue what and <laughs> and according to this story coppola said nah we'll just kill you yeah, <laughs> we'll just kill you and replace you with another character you're dead um but there's another story and i don't know if this is true or not but this story comes from Robert Castellano's side. I think his his wife, now his widow, tells this story of why he wasn't in Godfather 2. She said the reason was that after the Godfather came out, he lost a lot of weight. 
Um, and then when Coppola wanted him to come back for part two, Coppola wanted him to put the weight back on and he didn't want to do that, you know, for, because, you know, he, for his health, like he was, yeah. he, he said, I don't want to gain a whole bunch more weight to play a role. And so, so again, Coppola said, okay, then we'll just kill you and have somebody else. Sure. Um, so yeah, so that was why one of those two stories is probably the reason why Clemenza was, was, yeah. was said to have been killed off screen before the movie started. And, sure. uh, um, and Frank Pantangeli was the guy in charge of running the Corleone stuff in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concluding flashback scene featuring the Corleone family gathered for Vito's birthday in 1941 was originally supposed to include Marlon Brando as the Godfather. Yeah, sure. Um, however, Brando Whoever wrote refused... it should have said, there's no way. Yeah, I there's know. Like, no oh, way. Bra- hey, guess what, everybody? Here's a shocker. Brando's not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he Brando had a conflict with the studio, some say over money, um, and he just refused to show up. And apparently... He no showed that day. Like they all thought he was going to be there and he just didn't show up. So Coppola took the day and rewrote the scene to take out the Godfather actually being there. And then they shot it the next day. And that's the scene we actually have in the movie mm-hmm. um, where, where the Godfather is never actually on screen. We just, he, he supposedly arrives like right at the end and he's always in the next room, um, which I think works better. Honestly, it's I fine. think the scene is yeah. way, I think the scene is, is way better than it would have been if, the godfather had actually if if brando had actually shown up mm-hmm. um also that scene that one scene is the only scene in the movie in which james Kahn appears because it's a flashback sure um and he was paid just as much to shoot that one scene for godfather part two as he was to be in all of godfather part one part one yeah so good for james Kahn getting paid that's right he got paid um this was the first sequel to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Um, this movie and the original Godfather are the first and so far only original and sequel to both win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first American sequel to use Roman numerals in its title. Um, additionally, three out of the five nominees for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars that year were from this movie. Yep. Uh, it was Robert. It was Robert De Niro. It was Michael V. Gazzo, and it was Lee Strasberg. Um, mm-hmm. And Lee, Lee Strasberg, of course, was the innovator of the method school of acting. Yeah, he can't was escape the motherfucker. Yeah, I know. He was the creative director of the actor studio for thirty years, including during the time this movie was being made. Um, he was one of the most influential acting teachers in the history of theater and cinema, and this mm-hmm. is his only Oscar nomination. Yep. Um, like, like many great teachers, including many great acting teachers, his own acting career was not super successful. He made his no. mark as a teacher, not as an actual actor. Um, Robert De Niro won Best Supporting Actor for this, um, making it the first and I believe only time that two actors won each one Oscars uh in different movies and even in different categories for playing the same character mm-hmm. because brando won best actor for the godfather for playing vito corleone and then de niro won best supporting actor in godfather 2 mm-hmm. for playing vito corleone i think that's the only time that's ever happened um so that is all my trivia about godfather part two right <laughs> all right you ready who made it yeah the same people who made the godfather bye everybody no it's (laughs) listen to the other show 
Directed by FFC, good old FFC. You know him as the winemaker more than you do a filmmaker because he really hasn't made anything good since 1979. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I said it. Not really, not anything good. Um, I don't know what happened to him. You didn't like Jack? (laughs) Rumblefish? No. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. He briefly started to make a, a brief comeback with Dracula, which I don't like. Which came out in the early '90s, and then he made God, and then made Godfather Part Three, the movie no one asked for, but I guess he was gonna make it. And now, if you want to try to find Godfather Three, you can't because it's another one of those <laughs> special edition bullshit things where they've added an extra, I think, hour worth of onto the movie yeah. to try to fix it. I'm sorry, um, Francis, unless you're removing your daughter completely from the film, it's not fixable. Yeah. Okay. The best way to fix Godfather 3 is to not watch it. That's right. Because <laughs> you don't need it. It's not like no. you're missing anything at the like at the end of part two. It's not like you're, you're left hanging going, I wonder how it's going to end. I wonder what's <laughs> like, going to happen to him. <laughs> it's over. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like Godfather 3. Uh, you know, he came out and then like everyone was like, Jesus Christ. And then no one wanted another Godfather movie. And it was almost yeah. as if he was like out of spite. Oh, yeah. Well, watch this. I'll make a movie off of Godfather 3. People will throw money at me to make another Godfather movie. doesn't matter. It's been 30 years since. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. He's going to make the movie. All right. Whatever. What do you mean Al Pacino doesn't know how to act normal anymore? He doesn't know how to act like my. He forgot how to act like Michael Corleone. He's screaming all the time in this. He's just going to scream the whole time. Is that okay? His last thing he does in the movie, other than fall over in a chair, is scream to everyone everywhere on those fucking opera steps. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Fine. Oh, there's there there's Al. There's there's. Screenplay by Francis Ford Coppola, Mario Puzo. You know Mario Puzo. He made, he wrote kind of, no, he didn't really write Superman. He kind of did. And then it was incredibly, it was, it It was was 400 pages long. And it was thoroughly rewritten by Tom Mankiewicz. And that's (laughs) That's what was actually shot. But Mario (laughs) Puzo is in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Based on The Godfather by Mario Puzo, produced by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Al Pacino as Michael Corleone. I don't have to tell you anything about and most of these people. So here we go. Yeah. Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen, Diane Keaton as Kay Adams Corleone. Here's something you guys probably don't know. I really don't like her. I don't like any performance that she's ever been in, and I especially don't like her in The Godfather because she's just <laughs> basically a rug mat. She's a feminine rug mat that people just walk over all the time. I'm going to say something stupid, Michael, and now you're going to hate me, and I'm going to act hurt that you hate me forever, you dumb bitch. How could you? What's the one thing, one thing that you're not going to tell Michael Corleone? What's the one thing that you did? When he, when he says, it's okay, you had a miscarriage, what do you not say, you yeah. dimble? <laughs> oh, by the way, about that. <laughs> I had an abortion because I don't want any more of your children. Ha <laughs> ha! Stupid. I hope, you, I hope you're in a soup kitchen somewhere, dumb. <laughs> Jesus. You know what you I think, think sucks, Michael? React? Your family. <laughs> <laughs> I think your family sucks. What do you think of that? All right. Diane Keaton, Robert De Niro is Vito Corleone. See, I don't have to say who most of these people are. No. Oreste Baldini as young Vito Corleone, and he's done. He's gone into a career of mostly voiceover work. He's oh, really good at cartoons and stuff like that. 
John Gazelle is Fredo Corleone, and he's dead. So nothing after this, really. I mean, a few more movies, Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. Talia Shire is Connie, and you know her from Rocky. Yep. Lee Strasberg is Hyman Roth. Now, like Steve said, he's mostly known for being, you know, teaching the method. That's what he did. And he's caused more mental breakdowns and identity crises if you follow the method <laughs> too closely. Yeah. Because he really, because what he, the, the whole idea, what is, the, hey, Steve, do you know what the method is? Yeah. You do. Um, yeah, basically, it's you, you, the idea of putting yourself in the same emotional space as the character. Right. Like, and how do you and, do and that? And having, uh, well, uh, through sense memory, through trying sure. to, to find like within yourself or within your own experience, like time That's when you. That's the one that fucks people up. That's yeah, the one. when when you felt uh, yeah yeah, and we're basically the, that's where the idea comes from of like actors staying in character. Yep. You know, like you just so you're you, like okay, you, you just you live as the character. You just even when you strangled a character with strangled your mother on stage with a with a shoelace. I want you to go find something within yourself to make you feel that way. Fuck off, you what? monster! <laughs> you want me to do what? You want me to do what? And they're wondering why people are having mental breakdowns or just leaving acting altogether after they're done. They're just like, nope, bye, and they leave. Um, so, I mean, he's famous, whatever. He's fine. In this yeah. Michael Vigazzo as Frank Pentalgili. And he's, you know, he's been around. He had been mostly like a playwright and, and other stuff. He hadn't been in a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. up until this point. Um, G.D. Spradlin as Senator Pat Geary. I do know him from Apocalypse Now and Ed Wood and, you know, a bunch of movies where he's basically playing the same character over and over <laughs> yep. and over again. Bruno Kirby is young Peter Clemenza, and you know him from Good Morning Vietnam and City Slickers. Yep. Uh, Dominic Chian Chianchi. Dominic Chian Chianese. How do you say it, Steve? Chianese. I guess. I don't know. But that could be his name. That's Johnny Ola, and you know him from The Sopranos. Harry Dean Stanton, you're right. He is in a Godfather movie as the FBI yep. guy. He's the FBI guy. He doesn't even he, have a fucking name. He's, he's just in it the a little FBI. bit. He's, he's the FBI guy. The most important thing is, hey, come out. We're going to play hearts. That's it. That's his most important line. <laughs> what's What's taking Frank so long in the bathroom? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's playing violin. Um, Tony, uh, oh, Danny Aiello, very briefly, yep. blink and you'll miss yep. him, as Tony Rosado. That's great. You never see him again. He tries to kill a guy, and then does, you don't see him again. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. And James Caan is Sonny Corleone. You thought he was dead, but we get to see his ghost. We get to see his <laughs> exactly. ghost, and we, we get to see him beat up his brother for joining the army. Isn't that great? <laughs> he comes back from the grave and beats the shit out of somebody, that's and right. he goes right back to the afterlife. Cinematography by Gordon Willis, a lot of Woody Allen films. Edited by Peter Zinner, Coppola movies. Barry Malkin, same fucking, I don't care. Richard Marks, same deal. Three guys, three editors. Why three editors, Steve? It's a long-ass movie. I think they were taking taking shifts. You get hour one, you get hour two, you get hour three. (laughs) Music by Nino Rota. Um... He's also done a lot of movies. He's done music for a lot of Italian directors, so like Fellini and Visconti and things like that. Production companies, Paramount Pictures, The Coppola Company, distributed by Paramount Pictures. Release date, December 20th, 1974. Running time, holy shit, 
Running time, 202 minutes. Budget, $13 million, adjusted for inflation, $80 million. Box office, $93 million, adjusted for inflation. Jesus fucking Christ. $579.2 million. Which means we'll get Godfather 3 in 25 years when Francis is desperate for something. Money. Something. I need some money. I need the money. I made Captain EO and no one liked it. I mean, I, people are watching it <laughs> because they have to at Disneyland. I, mean, I, mean, I can't believe that movie I made for that ride didn't make <laughs> more cash. All right, Steve. You ready? Yeah. Let's go up to Tahoe. It's nice up in Tahoe. It's nice. It's a nice place. It's yeah, a nice place. Who cares that yeah. there's some, some mobsters down at the bottom of the lake? Who cares? You know, just you know, they handle their business and you leave them alone and they'll leave you alone. That's right. They fed some fish. It's nice. It's yeah. nice. Let's go to yeah. let's go to what is happening? What is the party at the beginning? I can't remember. Is the christening somebody? It's the Chris, it's the first communion. First communion. Yeah. Gigantic party, just like at the beginning of Godfather. Why is that happening? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because they don't know how to set up the Godfather films without a gigantic thing <laughs> we, that introduces all the fucking characters at the beginning of the movie. We gotta have a big party. We gotta have a big god goddamn party. So you ready? You ready, yeah. Steve? You ready? God damn I'm it. I'm ready. All right. Let's you and me. Let's walk confidently into the movie. The Godfather Part Two. Steve? Yes. Take it away. Oh boy. Well, we open in the year 1901. What? Yeah. Why? Because we get a well, because we get a little title on screen that explains to us. Oh, that's that right. That the that the Godfather was born in the village of Corleone, Sicily. Uh-huh. And his father was killed after insulting the local mafia boss don uh -oh. chicho that's right and and his older brother swore revenge and took to the countryside and then we see the funeral procession as his father's casket is being carried through the countryside that's and right then there's and then we hear gunfire and someone screams they killed your boy and we see that Beto's older brother who took to the countryside to get revenge has been killed that's right and so and then put over it while she's crying over his corpses. Come visit Sicily. <laughs> Brought to you by the Italian tourism. Oh, Bureau. The, no, maybe that comes No, Maybe I'm misremembering it. Maybe that happens after the, uh, he cuts, he cuts, uh, what's his name open. After <laughs> <laughs> Visit Sicily. By Genko olive oil folks. But then his yeah. mom goes to go talk to the mob boss and what yeah. she wants she wants is, you know, believe us, please. Can we have yeah. help? Can Why you please you just that? not kill my other child? He didn't yeah, do please. anything. And he's yeah, like, yeah. nope. And so she, <laughs> she takes out a knife and she threatens him. And little, little Don Corleone runs away. And then yep. they kill her with a shotgun. They kill his away. mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he gets someone, people help him sneak out of the village. And That's he right. ends up on a boat and he ends up at Ellis Island. Yay. He's safe, America. He's going to be yeah. fine. Everything's going to be fine. And his real, his actual name is Vito Andolini. That Andolini right. is his real family name. But when he gets up to the front of the line and the, the Ellis Island workers are writing down people's names, he doesn't speak any English. No. So they're like, they, they just read his tag and they're like, let's see, what's this fucker's name? Vito uh, Corleone. Sure, whatever. So that's they write right. down the name of his, of his home village as his last name. And that's and, uh -oh, how he becomes Vito Corleone. He's got smallpox. Oh boy. So he's and got he, a yeah, and, and, and he could use bag. like a sandwich. 
he they should give him like a sandwich or something because he's awfully something skinny. To eat, but Coppola's like no. And so we then cut from him being in a room, his little smallpox room, to yeah. the cor- coronation christening. I don't give a shit. The first, the what first communion. <laughs> the first communion of his son, right? Of yeah, of Michael's son, which would be Vito's grandson. Yeah. And everybody's there, including I don't care who's Lots there. Lots of Mike, people. Michael's there. Michael's Tom there. The whole yeah, the family's there. there. Yeah, Kay's um, there. The the Kay's there and their kids. Um, Fredo, of course. Of course, Fredo's drunk old, and he's got a big girlfriend and. Fredo's going to be fine. He's the same idiot that he's always been. (laughs) Fredo's going to be fine. His wife is Um, staggering around drunk, dancing with other people. He's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I can't control her, Mike. And he's like, don't, don't worry about it. We'll kill her. Don't worry. She'll be dead. (laughs) We'll take care of it, Fredo. She'll be fine. She'll be dead. She's going to be dead. He's like, I don't, okay, Um, thanks. Thanks, Michael. And he wanders off and. We meet uh, Pentangeli, who drinks out of a yeah. out of a hose and tries to get the the band <laughs> yeah. to play Italian music, and they play Pop Goes the Weasel. They play accident. Pop Goes the Weasel instead. Oh, on and purpose. Like, ah! I'm sorry. Okay, all you motherfuckers. <laughs> but he's and we meet- also we meet yeah. Senator Geary. Oh fuck him! Yeah, we meet Senator Geary, and Senator Geary comes in and he says, "Okay, I hate Italians and I hate you and and I hate everybody, but you're going to get your gaming license in in." In uh, Nevada, if you pay me how much? Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yep. And fuck you, and fuck Italians, and fuck everybody. And Michael's like, "No, you're gonna give it to us for free." And he's like, "Ha ha!" And he leaves. I'd like to he see leaves. that happen. Because <laughs> he says, "I hate Italians, and I hate all you, and I hate being there." He gets out, and someone dumps body wash on him, and he's like, "Let's get the fuck out of here!" And he leaves. <laughs> exactly. And meanwhile, Pentangeli wants to meet with Michael. Yeah. And he finally meets with Michael, and he's like, "Hey, Michael, I want you to kill these the Rosados, the Rosado Rosado brothers. Yeah, the Rosado brothers. It causes me problems." And he says, "I'm not going to do it because it interferes with my business." Okay, so shut the fuck up. I'm not doing it. And and Pantandeli is like, "God damn it!" I'm dry. And he says, "He's an old man. He's too drunk. Forget about it because he's been drinking wine and doing everything." Yeah. And so that night, um, you know. He's looking out the window, and he's like, oh, who's that guy out on the lawn? He must have a gun for some reason. Wonder why. <laughs> wonder and what he's they, doing with that. They shoot up his bedroom, and he dives on the floor, and she's on the floor, and they shoot it up, and they go looking around everywhere, and they find the guys who did it, and they're both fucking dead. And they're like, who did it? Who do they think did it, Steve? Um, I well, honestly don't, because they changed this several times. Yeah, he, the, he they 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 think it it had to be somebody close. It had to be somebody who was there, who was yep. like you know. Um, but Michael doesn't say who he thinks it is at first. But we get a couple of possibilities um, as as he goes. But Michael says, "I have to leave to take care of this." So while I'm gone, Tom, you're in charge. Tom, you're in charge, and you need to watch out over my wife and my kids. Yeah, make sure they never leave. I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out what's going on. And Tom's like, okay. Okay, sure. Because he's kind of been leaving Tom. He's keeping Tom at arm's length, right? Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, like, there's only certain meetings that Tom is allowed to be in on. And you can see, you get the impression that Tom is, Tom's feeling kind of left out. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, someone tries to kill Pantagli. Pantagli. Yeah. Yeah, and they say greetings from Michael Corleone when he strangles him. Yeah. 
but they can't they can't finish the job because a cop comes in yep. and they all take off and then there's a shootout and I could have sworn one of those guys died, but he shows up later in the testifying for the Senate. Yeah, that we have the guy, the first witness that we see at the Senate hearing. Yeah, the yeah. first guy, you know, Pantagli's, you know, driver, bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Pantagli's alive. Uh oh. No. Meanwhile, Michael goes to sunny Florida and he meets a grandpa, and that grandpa is <laughs> watching football, and that guy's name is what's it's what's face. Hyman Roth. Hyman Roth, and they're making a deal in Cuba. In Cuba, oh, yeah, in yeah. Cuba, and they're gonna get together. And he knew his dad really well, and he listened to my dad. And I'm like a grandpa. And as soon as they're done with that, all of a sudden Michael's like, he's he's the one that tried to kill me. And we're like, yeah. wait, uh, okay, so okay, so hang on. <laughs> it wasn't Pentageli. No, they were both doing it. It was him and Hiram Roth. And he's backed me into a corner. And this is bad. Because then he goes to Cuba, and he's like, someone in the family betrayed me. I'm going to find out who it is. So they go to Cuba, and Cuba's not great. Cuba's no, full of because poor people, and they're at it's, the edge I, of revolution. I was they're, just going to say, yeah, it's the, yeah they, they, this is still in the Batista regime, but it's right at the end, <laughs> right before the rebels take over. Mike meet, meets with his brother, and he's like, okay. Listen, I want you to do something, Fredo. I have a bunch of guys here, and I want you to show them a good time. And he's like, no problem, Mike. I can do that. You're the only one I can trust. Okay, Mike, I'm dumb. I know you're dumb, but just you know, show them around. <laughs> he's like, okay, great. And so he's doing it because he doesn't think Fredo has anything to do with what's going on between um, what's his name? God damn it. Roth? Who's the Roth scene, right? Um, Roth, yeah. What's the other guy? Pentangeli. Johnny Ola. Oh, Johnny Ola, yeah, the guy or who's Pantangeli. like kind of the go-between, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so they're showing him around, showing him stuff. They go to this awful show where a guy apparently has a gigantic dick and he fucks people in front of an entire audience. And while they're there, <laughs> that dumb shit Fredo turns to, he says, how'd you find out about this place? Johnny Ola, you know, that guy that's an enemy to the family, he showed it to me. We have a great time. We come here all the time. We give each other hand jobs. We love it so much. He promised me so much money if I betray Michael so that he can get fucking shot so they can goddamn kill him. I'm Fredo, the dumbest Corleone to ever fucking exist. And Michael's like two feet away listening to all of this going, "Hmm." he's like, no, he's not. He, he looks. He, he looks heartbroken. He does say it later. Yeah, I know. He. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So later on, it's New Year's Eve. They notice that the the military seems to be marching around all over the place. Mm, that's funny. And during the New Year's Eve ball, no, Michael grabs him and says, "I know it was you. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my fucking heart. I'm going to shoot. You're going to die. You're going <laughs> to die. You're fucking dead." Fredo wanders off. And all hell breaks loose, right? Yeah, the gorillas move in. the The president abdicates, and he's like, "Hey, he it's been fun. I'm out of bye, here. Bye, everybody." <laughs> and all the rich people are like, "What are we gonna do?" And well, you're gonna get in a car and you're gonna get the fuck off the goddamn island. That's what you're gonna do. And that's what they do. And he tries to get Fredo to come into the car. He says, "Fredo, come on. You're still my brother." Yeah. And Fredo's like, "Nope," and he takes off. So they get back, and now they're openly talking about what they're going to do. Because here's the thing. They were going to kill Hyman Rothstein. They were going to kill right. Hyman Rothstein. That was, yeah. Uh-oh. And the guy goes in there, kills, you know, kills one of, uh, kills, uh, what's his name? Johnny Ola. He's going to go kill yeah. him. But 
you know, Roth is surrounded by people because he's had a stroke. They're going to take him to the hospital. They take him to the hospital. The guy goes there. He's about to kill him. It takes a sweet damn time because then the military (laughs) show up and kill him before he has a chance to kill him. And so they get back. They know Roth is still alive. And so Michael's like, okay, well, shit. And remember, we're getting this told between vignettes of the the adventures of young Vito Corleone. Yes, and and how he sort of gets started as a gangster in mm-hmm. 1910s New York. Yeah, and just to, just so that you guys know how he gets started is someone has him hide some guns. Yeah, you know? and that's young uh, Clemenza, young Clemenza, Clemenza. Yeah, Bruno Kirby. He's like, hey, and, hold on to these mm-hmm. for me, would you? <laughs> and then he's following Clemenza on jobs where they're stealing shit. And then they we keep jumping forward. There's a guy who's in charge in Little Italy at the time. I can't remember his name. What's his name? Don Fanucci. Don Fanucci. And he's a prick, and I hate him. I wish oh, they yeah. killed him. I wish they killed him more. But what eventually <laughs> happens is it's him, it's it's Don Corleone, Clemenza, and Tessio. Tessio. Right? Yeah. And they're like this little gang. They steal stuff. They sell stuff. And and the guy, the the Don that's in charge, wants money from him, right? Yeah. And he says, okay, we're going to set him up because I'm going to kill him. He doesn't say that, but that's exactly what he does. He sets him yeah. up. He shoots him a bunch of times. He dies. And then you went, okay. And then we jump forward, and now he's, like, well-respected in the, the community. He's doing a favor for some old woman and her fucking dog. He's like, yeah. she's like, no, oh, he's going to kick me out. Meets the guy. He says, no, oh, no, I'm I'm... It's one of the funniest bits in the movie is where he's like, no, I kicked her out. I already rented to another family. It's like, here, take this money. And the guy's like saying, no, it doesn't matter how much money you give me or whatever. I've already done it. Fuck off, you stupid fuck. And he's like, listen, you do this favor for me. Ask around the neighborhood. They'll tell you. I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I never, what was it? I, I always appreciate a favor. And yeah. he walks off. And then like five minutes later, he shows up at the guy at Corleone's office. <laughs> I asked around. I'm so sorry. I said what I said to you before. Here's your money back that you're going <laughs> to yeah. give me. In fact, she's going to pay $10 less. Please, please don't kill me. Please, please don't God. murder me. Please, in the name <laughs> of God, don't kill me. I am so off. sorry. Please. <laughs> and he runs off. And so now we get, I can't remember what order this is, and I don't frankly care. But what happens is, we get the we get the scene again where where he has to clean house, and so he has Tom go talk to Pan, uh, Penta Pantageli because Pantageli, yeah because he's going to testify against Michael in in court yeah in front of Congress yes in front of the Senate yeah that's right and if he does that then he's perjured perjured himself because he testified in front of Congress in which he said I've never done anything illegal I'm fine. And they were like, yeah, sure, we got a guy. And once you say that, we're going to arrest you and you're going to be in trouble. Like that's going to happen in America. Anyway, so <laughs> he he convinces Tom to go talk to Pantangeli and say, go kill yourself. And he's like, good idea. And he, <laughs> he goes and does that. <laughs> the Roman Empire, et cetera. First, he, first yeah. what he does is he, he testifies and Michael comes in and there's a guy next to him and he looks scared. And it turns out to be Pantelji, uh, Pan, uh, Panto's brother. What's his name? Yeah. 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 
and he's afraid they're going to kill him, which they probably were going to do. I mean, yeah, that's certainly the implication. When Michael Corleone comes into the room with your brother, when you're just about to testify against him, you kind of get the message. Tom visits him where they're keeping him. And he says, you know, back in Roman times, the thing we did, the bit that we did at the beginning of this, Roman times, you guys yeah. would kill themselves, they take care of their family. And he says, okay, Tom. And then he does it, he kills himself. He slits his wrist in the bath. Shut up, cat. I'm talking. Shut up. Stop it. One of you kill each other. That'll keep you in. That'll keep you <laughs> the fight in. to the death now. I'm engaged quick. while I'm doing this. Anyway, so he kills himself in the bathtub. Who does he kill? He kills Roth. He kills Roth like, There's no yeah, way we at the can airport. kill him. No way we can kill him. It's not going to be difficult. We just got to find someone stupid enough to murder him in front of police. <laughs> exactly. We just got to find someone air, to kill him who doesn't mind that he killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be our Jack Ruby? That's right. And so that happens. Someone runs up and yep. shoots him directly in the fucking chest and tries to run off and gets shot. And the other thing is he tells, so he's not talking to Fredo, right? Right. I would, you know, if you're going to show up, I want you know, want you to be gone by an hour. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. As far as we're concerned, we're not brothers anymore. You yeah. sack of shit. I hope you die. And Fredo's dumb enough to think that Michael's going to let this go. Because at his mother, because he tells the, the bodyguard, the ones watching over Fredo, nothing is to happen to him until after his mother dies. Right. And then his mother dies. <laughs> Uh-oh. And, and Connie comes in and says, can't you forgive him? He's your brother. And just like the, the scumbag liar that he is, Michael says, okay. And he pretends to forgive his brother. Yeah. Because they hug and it's very sad. But he gives the nod to his bodyguard. Time to kill him. It's time <laughs> to kill my brother. The clock's ticking. <laughs> and so he's about to go out fishing with his, with his nephew. And they say, nope, he's got to go into go to Reno with his father. And so the kid gets off the boat. He goes out anyway, and then his bodyguard fucking shoots him. Yep. And, you know, Michael has the nerve to look sad or whatever. I don't care. Like, you give a shit, Michael. Anyway, (laughs) then he has a flashback of the guys of the day that he told them that he was going to go to the army. And then it's his dad's, it's his father's birthday. Then his father shows up. The end. I mean, kind of. I mean, then they cut to him thinking. One more shot of Michael in the present, like, yeah, yeah kind of sitting by himself. All alone. Yeah. Because yeah. his, yeah. oh, his wife can't see his kids, right? Well, yeah. because come we, and yeah. see them every once in a while because he's like, you're never going to take my children. Because she tells him, oh, by the way, that miscarriage was an abortion because I'm dumb. And she was like, and he hits her. And he says, you're never yes. taking my children. And it's like, lady, what did you fucking think was going to happen? You're a woman. Yeah. It's the early, it's the late 1950s. He has he has more than enough money to declare you a unworthy mother or whatever he fucking wants to do. You yeah. goddamn dumb shit. Well, he, drink your drink. He <laughs> even tells her that. Like Michael even tells her. He said, he said, Did you like you know who I am? And mm-hmm. she, like, did 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 you ever think I wouldn't do yeah. anything I could to keep you mm-hmm. from taking my children? Like yeah, and she's like, "Damn, Michael, I had an abortion because I don't want to have no one your babies, and I gotta end this." And I was like, "You're gonna end this, really? You have the least amount of power of everybody <laughs> in the fucking goddamn movie." Anyway, he's looking out the lake. The end. Da dun da dun dun. Happy ending. <laughs> 
Hey, Doc, what you burying there? A body. Fuck off, rabbit. <laughs> I'm hunting Fuego. <laughs> so, Steve. Yes, sir. How do you feel about this classic mafia movie? The first big sequel to win any awards. Yeah. The Godfather, part two. Part two. I, I agree with you that this, uh, obviously, this movie could not exist without the first one. Mm-hmm. But I do think this is the better film. I, I, I've always thought The Godfather Part Two is better than The Godfather. Um, and I love The Godfather. Like, the original is a absolute masterpiece. Sure. But Godfather Part Two, I just, I don't know. It's, I, I, I've always found it to be the superior film. Um, it's three and a half hours long. I don't know. But it doesn't feel it. Like, at one point no, when I was doesn't. watching it, when I was watching it yesterday for this, there was a point where I had ordered dinner and I was watching the movie and then my dinner got here. So I paused the movie to take care of that. And I realized as I paused it, I looked at the timer and I had been watching it for an hour and yeah. it felt like it had been like 15 minutes. Like sure. it's, it's so involving that you don't even feel the time. I mean, it is a, it is a super long movie, yes, it but is. it does not feel it when you watch it. Um, it's, I'm going to disagree with you. I like the first one better than this one for one okay. main one main reason. Okay. There's no arc for there's no arc for Michael in this. There's no change. No. He doesn't change from one thing to another. He's a miserable fucking prick at the beginning of the movie and he's a miserable fucking prick at the end of the movie. The only thing that's changed is he's lost some more people. That's it. I agree with you. I mean, you there's no arc for Michael, but I think it gets away with it for me because they give us the parallel between Vito and Michael. Sure. But I mean, and, here's the thing. Yeah. What's really interesting about the difference between Michael. I don't get that. Michael loves his fucking children. I don't get that. I don't get the feeling of him that he gives, he gives a shit about anybody other than himself, including his own kids. There are things that he wants to control because he can control other people, but it, the difference between him and Vito is that Vito actually, it feels like Vito loves his kids. Yes. He honestly loves his children. And Vito, my, you don't yeah. get that feeling from Michael. Well, I think it, to me, what makes Michael interesting in this, in this movie, and, and I, don't, I don't disagree with anything you just said there either. I agree with you. It doesn't, it doesn't really seem like Michael cares about anybody. He seems at, at this point, by when we find him in this movie, he seems to be a creature completely of 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 self-preservation yep. and of 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 like he acts according to this sense that he has of loyalty and necessity and like he's just sort of doing what he has to do. And it doesn't seem like like he 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 gets angry at Kay. For the idea of taking his kids away, not because he loves his kids and yeah. he can't bear to be without them, but because they're his kids and it's his family and keeping the family together and is what he's, he's a miserable to do. prick. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. And, and, and if Kay took the kids, she'd be taking something from him. Sure. And, and, and he, and he can't tolerate that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so to me, what makes Michael interesting in this movie is that the movie the movie gives us both through the parallel with 
the story of Vito as a young man. And then especially when we get to the end and we see that flashback scene of all of them together mm-hmm. for Vito's birthday is that you see how far Michael has fallen. You see how much Michael has changed and we don't see him change through the course of this movie. You're right. He doesn't really have an arc in this movie, No, but the movie reminds us of who he used to be. And like when you see that last, that, that birthday party flashback and you see how Michael is in that, where he's exactly the opposite of how he is in the movie, you know, he believes in things. He, yep. he, he want he, he tells his brother, like his Sonny basically tells him, you know, don't nobody, but your family, nobody matters, but your family, fuck no. anybody else. People who sign up to go fight in world war two after Pearl Harbor, they're chumps, they're suckers. You know, it's the, the Donald Trump philosophy. Yeah. Um, and, and Michael comes back at him and says, well, I don't see it that way. I feel differently. I think it's important. You know, I believe in things beyond my family. And then we dissolve, but, and that, and that isolates him because everybody else goes to see when his father comes in, you know, everybody else leaves the room to go and and greet him. And we just see Michael sitting by himself. And then we dissolve to Michael in 1959, also sitting by himself, Yeah, but in a completely different place in his life where now he has switched places with his brothers. You know, now he's. Now he's the one who is only acting for the preservation of the family and not even because you get the sense that he loves them, but just because it's like, it's just the role that he has been placed in. That's just what he does. And there's the joy in his life is completely gone. It's just, this is, I'm doing this because I have to do this. Um, And everyone's comparing him to his dad. Everyone's comparing him, telling them what his dad did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he can, you know, and the thing is, we see that he's at least, at least compared to how his, how his brothers are or were, he's the most like his dad. Kind of. Yeah. Because he's the only one, his dad, you know, Sonny was too much of a hothead. And you know that if you saw the first movie and you get a taste of it here, when we get that one flashback where Sonny is the one who is, you know, quick to anger and always very authoritarian and bossing people around sure. and, and as you know, seems to have the most, the, sh- the shortest fuse. And so Sonny is too much of a hothead. Mm-hmm. Fredo is just a dumbass. you know, like Fredo is a complete loss, right? Just there. You, yep. He's an idiot. Michael, Michael is, is smart. And is cool, doesn't lose his temper, except for the most really part. The, yeah. Part now, when there's that scene when he hits Kay after she tells him about the abortion. Yeah. And that's that. And and there's a couple other times like there's when he blows up at Tom when Tom tells him about the miscarriage and he's like, "Well, yeah. you just tell me I was a boy or not? Why can't I give you a straight? Why can't you give me a straight answer?" But for the most part, we don't see Michael lose his temper. Like Michael remains calm, even in the face of like, like when the Senator just blatantly disrespects him and, and just, you know, insults yeah. him to his, mm-hmm. Michael doesn't get mad. He stays completely calm and he basically tells him the way it is. And then ultimately Michael gets his way. Michael yeah. is, he, he doesn't blow, he doesn't blow, blow a stack. He stays calm. He stays calculated. Um, yeah. that's, and that's like his dad, you know, we see, we see De Niro do the exact same thing in the flashback. Sure. And the 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 scene you mentioned where the landlord, you know, 
uh, on the sidewalk, like Vito gives, he, he tries to pay him and say, hey, let the old lady stay in the apartment. And here, if you want to charge more rent, I'll make up the difference. And here's right. the money. And the landlord is like, fuck you. Who do you, what do you think? I'm an idiot. Take your money and go fuck yourself. And Vito doesn't get mad at him. Like he doesn't, he doesn't even seem like he wants to get mad. He just gives him the money again. He says, no, take the money, ask about me in the neighborhood. We'll, and just let the old lady stay. Okay. And just walks away. Like, doesn't yell at him, doesn't threaten him, doesn't do anything. And that's how Michael is for the most part. Um, so he's sort of, he's sort of cursed to be in the same place that his father was in because sure. he's the only person in the family that has the attributes to be able to do it. But he was the one who was supposed to get out. He was the one who his dad wanted to escape. He's the one who went to college. He's the one who went into the military. Yeah. He's the one who was supposed to have like the legitimate life outside of the family. But he gets dragged into it and can't get out. Um, you know, so yeah, he does get compared to his father, but he's, you know, the only one who is enough like his father to do the job. Um, and that I think is his tragedy. Like, I don't, I don't think Michael is at all a likable character. I don't think he is a sympathetic character in the sense that we usually mean that. Like, I don't mm -hmm. really bad for him you know like you were saying at the end of your summary when he when you know we get these shots of him like after the murder of fredo where we sort of push in on his face and it's like i'm not sure if we're supposed to like i don't really feel sorry for him because he is a murderer you know and he i mean and if if like if he feels bad he kind of deserves to feel bad yeah. he's kind of shit, you know but it's more like i just it, he's just this, he's this classical tragic figure, you know? Um, and it's not that I feel bad for him, but I recognize how far he has fallen from the person he was, Sure, you know, without necessarily intending to like, he starts down this path that, and it was all his doing. It was all him making his own choices, but he didn't know when he took the first step where he was going to end up. And now that he's here, that's, this is the only place he can be. Like, it's too late mm -hmm. to go back. Now he's the godfather. Now he's Michael Corleone, the head of the crime family. And that's the only thing he can be now. Um, and there's a tragedy in that, even though you can also look at the character and be like, yeah, but he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Because he is, you know. Um, I mean, and it's, it might be my favorite Pacino performance. Yeah, probably um, because he's so tightly wound mm -hmm. and he's so restrained. And in those moments when he does explode, like it feels like he's exploding, you know, it feels like something in him that he's, that he's trying his best to keep wrapped up tight is just getting out. Like when he, the way they shoot the, the scene where he, where he hits K it's such a shocking moment of violence. Oh yeah. Because um, you know, the, and it's shot, it, we see it just in a wide shot, you know, and, and it seems like he just explodes. It seems like yep. he's a, he's a coiled spring that just pops and he just lurches across the frame and he slaps her and it's, it's shocking and it's sudden and it's like, oh shit. And it's all the more so because he's not usually like that. It's like this sudden, you know, ejection of violence from his mm -hmm. body. And then, and then he, and then he's right back to being super calm and super tense, you know? and holding it all in it's just a fantastic performance um and de niro 
one of his best performances. Um, speaking almost no English, speaking almost no. entirely Sicilian, and sometimes, especially in his earlier scenes, not speaking at all. Nope. Like he doesn't say anything, but he does so much with his face and with his body language. And you can kind of tell that like he, he plays the character in a way that it makes sense that he would eventually age into Marlon Brando from the first movie. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it never feels like he's doing an impersonation. It nope. never feels like he's doing the same thing Brando was doing but he still plays a character that is plausible as a younger version of that same guy. It's, it's a really, really good performance. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you know, the, the, the parallel timelines gimmick works because each story is compelling in its own right. And we're not just getting the young veto stuff for exposition or sure. for backstory or, you know, to reference things. There are a couple of references to the first movie. Like we see De Niro saying lines that are similar to lines that Brando has in the first movie. You know, he does his own version of I'll make him an offer. He can't refuse and things like that, but there's not a lot yeah. of that. There's, there's, you know, they don't overdo that, which they probably would do if this movie was made today. It would be nothing but, you know, remember when he said that in the last movie where he's going to say that now. This part when he yeah. did the thing. They don't it was do a that. horse and head last time. It's a penguin <laughs> head this time. It's a penguin this time. That's where he got the idea. Um, but yeah, you know, it's there because it's a compelling story in its own right. And it's also there to parallel and to echo and to amplify Michael's story and to show us the ways in which these two things are the same. And, you know, like you said, when we see Vito, he seems to genuinely love his kids and yeah. he seems to genuinely love his family. Yeah, and, and his wife know, we, and everybody else. And his wife. And, you know, even though we know that he is also becoming a violent mobster who is going sure. to kill people, he doesn't, weirdly, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. No. <laughs> like, I mean, here's um, the thing. They make a point of showing that his mother and his father and his brother are all killed in yeah. in Sicily. And he escapes and he goes to America. He comes back a successful fucking um, yeah. criminal. Goes up to the yeah. guy who killed all of them and fucking guts him like a fish. And you yeah, don't this is feel from my bad father. about it. Yeah, this is from my father. No. It feels right. It feels like good for him. He killed that motherfucker. Good for him. The um, motherfucker should have died a long time ago. And he doesn't become and he, he doesn't become cold. No. You know, we, we De Niro in this movie and Brando in the first movie. He wasn't a cold person, and we see no. and when we see when we see Michael. Michael has become cold, and distant, and, that's and the, weird, yeah, and yeah, you know. and that's the biggest contrast when the you see the two. Last time we see the, the Godfather, stories. the original Godfather, Marlon Brando's Godfather. Yeah, he's playing happily in a garden with yeah. his grandson. With his with his grandson, yeah. Um, and, you know, that makes him a complicated character in a different way because you're like, oh, he seems like such a nice guy and sure. he's a murderer. He's, because you know, he he's loves a, his family. That's but he gen yeah. yeah. And he seems like he does. And you can say, well, maybe Michael loves his family in theory, but it doesn't seem like he does. It doesn't. That emotion never comes from him. You know, it seems like at this point, all Michael cares about is who's loyal to him and who can threaten him and who can't. Um, so, and that's, that to me is the tragedy of the film is that, you know, even, even his father, the great, you know, the, the, the capo di capo, the great gangster of all gangsters yeah. seemed like a much happier person than Michael does. Sure. Um, you know, 
because this is not the life that Michael originally wanted. This is the life that he's stuck with and now he can't get out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, I, I love this movie. I think it's a masterpiece on every level. I, it looks fantastic. Um, it's beautifully shot. I know a lot of, and it, it's a good example. Like a lot of the shots in this movie are really dark. Like there's a oh, lot yeah. of, uh, but, but it works because it's done in an artful way. It's not just dark because it, it doesn't, it, it never looks murky or muddy like a lot of more modern films with bad lighting sure. look like it looks, no. it's done this way on purpose for an artistic per and it looks fantastic um it's just it's if the acting the directing the editing the music the cinematography mm -hmm. on a technical level and an artistic level it's one of the greatest films ever made um i think it's i i love it so that's my review I liked Hooray. it a lot. <laughs> I liked it a lot too. Not as much as the first Godfather, and I think I already said why. It's because yeah. there's no arc for Michael in this. A bunch of shit happens to Michael. He 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 hip checks his way through the movie. You know, just you know, coming up with solutions that, that you know when he can. And that's it. I mean, basically, I know what they we're trying to tell is that the more he gets involved in what's going on, the you know, the more miserable and alone he is. Hey, Michael, you never should have married Kay, you dumb shit. You never <laughs> should have married that fucking wasp. She'll never understand what you... You should have found another girl in Sicily before you returned back home and married her. You could have found them there, apparently falling out of trees in the first movie. You could have married <laughs> her. But instead, you went back to guarantee that you'd be miserable by marrying goddamn Kay, who is number one gonna pretend that you're not a criminal until she decides you are a criminal, and then she's gonna fucking you know abort one of your babies, which will just drive you nuts. Also, Michael, you're not gonna be your dad ever. You can't be. Your dad seemed happy when he died. He seemed yeah. generally heartbroken when Sonny was killed. Genuinely yeah. heartbroken when, yes. when Sonny was killed. But you don't have those emotions, Michael. You dumb shit. You don't know, you, you kill your own brother in this, and we're supposed to go, oh, he must feel that terribly. I don't see that. I don't see that. A, a shot of someone staring off into the distance is not me thinking, oh, he felt bad. You know what made me feel bad? Is that he did it because he had to do it, and afterwards he cries or does fucking something other than staring out a window with a drink. I get why we did staring out a window with a drink, because it demonstrates that he is cold, that he's, will he's willing to go to that extent. Great, but that kills the character if we never see that transition from being someone who's trying to protect his family to I'm killing one of my family members because they betrayed the family. Mm. We don't see it. We don't see where that turns on and off. We don't see it impacting that greatly other than him like covering his eyes when they're watching the donkey porno or whatever it is they're watching in Cuba. And I like the movie. It's one of those movies that flies along at a clip. It's really great. Um... But I also feeling it repeating the same goddamn beats from the first movie, right? Big celebration at the very beginning, some sort of plot. Yeah. People die. This person, no, oh, we got to kill a whole bunch of people for us to be good again. You know, all of that shit. And it's the same beats. And I'm kind of like, okay. I do like the second movie. I'll, I don't like it more. I still like The Godfather more. And the whole thing is, is that because it shows a transition of someone going from this to that, right? He yeah. doesn't necessarily want to do this. Even his father said, we didn't want this for you. We wanted, you know, to be Governor Corleone, whatever. And yeah. the ultimate tragedy at the end 
is that Michael is has become the Godfather. He is someone that people are calling Godfather at that point. Door closes on Kay, you dumbass, and then you close the door, and then that's it. <laughs> that's the end of the movie. And in this one, I don't get it. I don't get that. I get that some some things, more things happen to the Corleone, and now it starts feel now it's starting to feel like a goddamn soap opera. You know, it's yeah, like, a little bit it's starting yeah. to feel like a soap opera, and so I no wonder that it was a bad lead into to the Godfather Part Three. But not, am I saying it's a bad movie? No, it's gloriously shot. It's a very good movie. All the performances are great. It's just that when people compare and contrast, I prefer the first one to the second one. Because the second one just feels like retread. Some of it, not all of it. Because we don't get the transition from from Michael being, you know, the war hero to Michael being the godfather at mm-hmm. the end. You know, so that's it. Dave? Yes, sir. Name something you're not recommending. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I believe we went we went through this last time when we did The Godfather. Um, yeah, we did. The, God, the Godfather and The Godfather 2, because they were both not only great critical successes, but also they made a lot of money. Uh, they kicked off a, a glut of mob movies and yes, mobster did. movies. And not all of those are very good. Almost none and, of them. Almost none of them. So I'm going to, I'm actually, the movie I'm not recommending is from a little later. It's actually more from the Godfather part three era. Okay. And it's from 1991 and it's a movie called mobsters. And if you remember the movie, if you remember the movie, young guns, you already did this one. So this is like young guns, but with mobsters. Have I done, have I, have have I? Well, yes. I'm not recommending it again. And this okay, time, for you. And this time I'm doing my gimmick where I read you polls from bad reviews of it. Hooray! So, I love so, these. Yeah. So this is Mobsters. It's from 1991. It stars uh, Christian Slater and Patrick Dempsey. And, oh, here's a big star. Here you how, Here's how you know this is going to be a great movie. Richard Grieco. Never quite had the film career, did he, Richard Grieco? No. wonder why. Um, and, and Costas Mandalore, and they play, uh, young versions of guys who eventually turn out to be legendary gangsters, mm-hmm. right? Lucky Luciano yeah. and Meyer Lansky. That's and right. Bugsy Siegel and Frank right. Costello. And they're He's all like, really young. Yeah. They're young and sexy and they're, and they're nicely dressed and they're mm-hmm. mobsters. Um, so here's some reviews. 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it doesn't have a very good reputation. So here's some um, reviews from about mobsters. So here's one. This is uh Terry Francis from The Southern Voice. A kitty gangster movie that appears to have been cast by the Ford modeling agency, dressed by the editors of GQ, and written by the marketing department of some cheesy brokerage house currently under investigation. Doesn't uh, <laughs> that sound like a movie you want to see? Um Here's another one from Chris Hicks of the Deseret News. None of these boys looks particularly grown up with their trench coats and fedoras, and they shouldn't be playing with guns. Mm-hmm. Here's one from uh, Hal Hinson of the Washington Post. The whole movie seems to be about hair. Slicked back <laughs> hair. Hair so <laughs> meticulously quaffed and lacquered that bullets would bounce uh. off of it. Your first thought is that the budget for Moose must have climbed into the zillions. 
And finally, oh. as I alluded to earlier, this is from Scott Weinberg of eFilmCritic.com. It's like Young Guns with mobsters, sure. only only stupider. <laughs> So those are some of the critical opinions of mobsters. Okay, well, here's some of the five-star opinions from Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> oh, by boy. dumb people who scream into these. the internet. Ready? Yeah. First one, by no name. They didn't put their name down. <laughs> what they wrote was, great movie, very informal. What the fuck? <laughs> what? Does that mean? Very what do informal? You, what do you mean it's informal? Don't you mean inform informative, baby? I don't know. I don't think it's that either, but it's okay. It's not. It's not <laughs> informal or informative. It's, it's neither informal nor informative. Here's another one. The plot is iffy. But for what the movie is, I think it does the job. Whatever the job was supposed to be. What's Christian's, the job? Christian Slater does great as Lucky Luciano. People rate this way too harshly, and they give sure. it five fucking stars, and they don't wow. really ever say what it is that's really great, you know? A lot of these are like one cent. I really liked it when this movie first came out, but I haven't seen it since. So now I'm writing them. I'm going to put my two cents down. Based on my vague memory of when I saw it a long time ago. Five stars. Turkey Dirk. <laughs> In all caps, this is good movie. I love it, said a caveman, apparently. <laughs> See, after seeing his first film, the caveman thought it was amazing. Here's someone who wrote more than just one sentence. How can people hate this movie, this film, so much? It's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. It's a monster movie. Thanks for cluing us in, genius. There's oh, lots of it killing. It's a lot better than people give it credit for. And great cast and lots of awesome action. It's probably Richard G. best film to date, except, oh. get ready, except oh the other one. What other one? Who knows? <laughs> Richard G. Richard G's we? best film to date, except the other one. The brain except started the to other turn one. off. It started to turn off as they're writing. I know he <laughs> must have done another movie. I can't remember the title, but it was also good, I think. <laughs> I think it was. I like I like it when the man shoot the gun. Hooray. <laughs> and now finally, my favorite one. The okay. incredulous review that doesn't understand why it's getting bad reviews. Oh, Ready? Boy. Oh, my God. What the hell is wrong with half of these critics? Are none of them familiar with the... What? The Castlemare's War? The war between two rival mobster factions that gave birth to the, two f to the five families and National Syndicate? If they were, then they would know what, that this story is not purely fictional. Oh, no, it's just mostly fictional. Fictional, is that it? Um, sure, the actors may be young or not great actors. Okay, so let's get cut acting out. But I think all of them do great jobs. So which is it? Are they good actors or are they doing great jobs? At playing the real-life mobsters, this film tells the story of the rise of the mafia in an excellent way. Come on, critics. Learn good movies. Stop. What? Learn good movies. Stop giving... Fast Five, a good review. <laughs> he's upset about the. He's upset about the Fast and Furious movies. He's, he's mad and, that the Fast and Furious movies are getting better reviews than Mobsters. And start talking about Mobsters. Ugh. Jesus Christ! By the way, I, I just looked. People. I just looked it up. Yeah. I think the other one 
is probably yes. referring to If Looks Could Kill, <laughs> which was another Richard Grieco movie that came out the, the same other, year as Mobsters. The other Richard yeah. Grieco movie. Yeah. Right. And was also a box office bomb. And that's the reason why Richard Grieco never had a film career. <laughs> because his first two big movies were Mobsters and If Looks Could Kill. And they were both the shits. They were. She's my dog. She has to bark at a motorcycle rider. Okay. Knock it off. I'll kill you. So, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same uh, yes. the same year that the movie we just reviewed. And it's 1974. And by this point, Hollywood went, hey, we need to make mobster movies. And so they gave somebody money. Who did they give money to? Duke Mitchell. What movie did he make? Massacre. Mafia style. Now, I Ooh. may have not recommended this movie already, but I'm going to not recommend it again because holy shit, is this a bad movie? It's like, okay, we're going to give him a movie, so we can make a mafia movie. And the, he tries so hard. He tries so hard to make a Godfather movie and fails miserably. <laughs> Terrible dialogue, awful characters. He just doesn't get it. But they were like, oh, we'll give him Duke, Duke Mitchell. will do it. He's a singer, I think. I think he made some other movies uh, along those lines. But, I mean, Jesus I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I hate Duke Mitchell. Fuck you, Duke. How dare you? I don't even know if that's your real name, Duke. I don't, I don't <laughs> care. You're probably not alive anymore. Hey, probably. Steve. Yes, sir. Hey, Steve, guess what? Well, it's time for me to make a terrible choice. How dare you, presumptuous bastard. <laughs> no, it's time for you to make a terrible choice. That's right. Now is the time where I make Steve choose the next movie that we're going to review. Mm-hmm. And this time around, he has to pick a Western. Ooh. So let's let's see which one he doesn't choose this time. He oh has boy. to choose A, B, or C. Steve, are you ready? A, I'm ready. B, or Steve. Come on, let's do it. Okay, okay. You know what? I'm I, I I picked the right letter last time for Godfather Part Two, so I'm I'm you gonna did. I'm gonna stick with it this time. I'm gonna let it ride, and I'm gonna choose A once again. Okay, that's fine. There were no bad, really not bad choices. We're doing westerns. Yeah. Westerns. Good old Westerns. So had you picked B, we would have reviewed High Noon. Ooh, yeah. Had you picked C, we would have reviewed The Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah. There you go. But you chose A. So the movie that we're going to review is the John Ford classic starring John Wayne again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Stagecoach. So if you guys want to get all the jokes, then watch Stagecoach. I'm sure you can find it free on YouTube. Probably. I don't know. Or somewhere else. Who knows? Uh, And that's it. That's that's all. That's we're done. We're done. Happy New Year, everybody. Right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy Dappy. (laughs) I hope you guys had a happy New Year and a good Christmas and all that stuff. You notice how quickly we went through this because there's not a lot of plot. So, (laughs) So. Until next time, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shimes. My father taught me many things here. He taught me in this room. He taught me to keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. So which one, one am I? We're which one am close. I, Steve? I'm we're very, very close. close. We're very, we're very close. close We've said things in confidence, so what does that mean? Yeah. 
What does that mean, you motherfucker? What does that it means, mean? It means, um, you know what? I know we were going to go fishing, but I actually remembered yeah. something I have to do. So no, I'm no, going to no, go. No, you no, go no, ahead no. on we're gonna go, the We're going to go and, fishing. You're going to go oh, fishing and you're going to sail. You're going to say a whatever, a Hail Mary or whatever. A Hail Mary over, over the line. Even over though the I'm line. Not, even though I'm not Catholic. <laughs> you're going to sit, we'll sit with your back towards me. You understand me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that after yeah. I, it feels like there's a, a tension between us now. You dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> you dipshit. I mean, Fredo could have just said, okay, we'll go. Well, you know what? I'm we'll not go going again later. Either. And one of the, the thug muscle would have gone, no, you're getting in the boat now. Get in the He's boat. Like, no, I'm going to get out and run away. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Get in the boat. <laughs> don't make a big thing about it, Fredo. Get in the boat. You know what I wanted? What? When he's out on the boat, for it to just flip over and explode like that piece of shit movie <laughs> yeah. we both watched. My feet! My feet My are feet stuck are... to the boat! <laughs> hey guys, uh, that's a joke that only the Patreon <laughs> patrons are going to get. So, <laughs> there you go. If you saw the pre-show, you know what that's in reference to. That's right. Alright, let's leave. You ready to go? <laughs> let's just leave. Let's get some prosciutto. How about that? Hey, I like that. Good idea. That's good. We'll do it, okay? Like okay. that, a little tiny, yeah. you know, we'll get some, you know, whatever that, the espresso, we'll drink that, that'll be good. Oh, yeah, the, the little tiny coffee. Put between the salt and the caffeine, you can watch my heart explode. Hopefully it'll <laughs> just explode all over you, that'll be the end of our friendship. Okay? Sound good? Yeah, and all it'll right. be, since it's a it's a Coppola movie, you'll get like just a shocked reaction shot for me where I'm just like, ah! <laughs> and then it'll hold on that for a second, just long enough for it to register with the audience, and then you cut That's to right. something else, you know, That's because good. it doesn't doesn't glorify the, the violence, you know. No, only when he's killing Shows animals on screen. <laughs> All the the dead horse people are going to love this. Not just that you're, you're forgetting Apocalypse Now. He chops a cow's oh, head shit. off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was thinking, I was, yeah, I, I forgot Apocalypse Now. Yeah. He's like, yeah, shit, I'll put that in my movie. I think Yeah, fuck it, things. who cares? Fuck that Nobody. cow. <laughs> Nobody cares about animals, do they? That's, that's not right. like a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.